Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Dr. Nathan. Um I wish I was heading up at uh, Department of Performance Monitoring Graduation, but I'm really a small uh, player in the field. There's a big department there. Um, I want to actually um, deal with the discussant role in a bit of a mixed fashion today because uh, I have many hats on that I want to bring to this forum. Um, specifically with my occupational therapy background and having been uh, not just a service provider in the professional field but also activist in the disability sector with some of the pioneers and Maria Ranto being one of my, my, my um, mentors in the field. But at the same time, interrogating research and research evidence, which is what we probably are here for as a seminar within a university setting. Um, so I'd like to bring those two together and really, I've read the report over the weekend and um, there was just so much of, um, you know, areas that I would have wanted to bring in, but I'd like to maybe um, group it together so that also in the presence of uh, Dr. Lera Patel, I don't you don't know it, but I've been quoting a lot of your work through the review process. So I'm drawing on a lot of different experiences. So one comes from occupational therapy, two comes from uh, doing a lot of research projects within HSRC through poverty reduction and gender studies, um, matching gender and poverty and disability issues. Um, introduced to the developmental state and working with um, policy analysis issues, programmatic responses, and really now coming with what is what does all that mean and how do we contribute to the um, disability sector. So, number one, I want to really congratulate the team and, and um, not just in terms of another research project, but being responsive to a research need that was identified by the disability sector itself, by the disability movement. And when those kind of, you know, relevance comes together with um, expertise, then you, you, you get produced with such quality work. So in a way, all kinds of, in any kinds of research that's available in the field of disability is most welcome. Having said that, I think just being amongst um, researchers and academics in the disability sector, it's also just good to interrogate some of the methodology and findings because in a way, research evidence and what we produce over the years, the question is, why are the outcomes for people with disabilities still so poor? Why are we still struggling 20 years later? And um, I really want to also draw on the experience of having managed the 20-year review process within the presidency, of which disability was one of the 21 thematic areas that was identified to be part of the review process, meaning that there's a synthesized report, but at the same time, disability itself had gone through a, a, a reflection exercise of what have we achieved, what have we, um, what have we still remaining challenges that we need to overcome 
going through it now. So in that kind of experience of being with economists and um, policy makers and bringing in the disability sector, how do we play the game? How do we actually bring in um, the, the relevance of issues around poverty and disability? So this is why it's so hard. I'm, I'm you made a big mistake of not giving me a time uh, to, to time to 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 be restricted to. But uh, you will stop me, and I, I think that's why I wanted to categorize how much of areas that I wanted to pull together. So let's let's just start with the research uh, approach and the methodology. Um, having identified a research area of work um, is already a strategic. Um, point of departure. And, and for that reason, um, the approach of actually using secondary data was very welcome um, in the sense that it shows that you've gone into the knowledge base, interrogated it, and shown what the limitations of the actual knowledge base is. And the NIDS study is what was promoted within the presidency in the National Planning Commission, and the service provider is the UCT group. Uh, because longitudinal studies have not been, over the years, have not been given the kind of credence in terms of data collection that followed the same people around. We've had the birth to 20 um, research study that, that, that followed and gave very nuanced, very contextualized um, understanding of following people through. Um, the next study comes now very welcome. It has its rich in the data, and for that reason, very welcome to the, the research team that actually used and interrogated that data. While I think that um, Jackie and Lawrence said that it was constrained in what, what uh, it, the, the, the study was constrained in what they couldn't really do because of the way that the data was um, uh, collected. Um, it also rings a bell as to 20 years ago, we're still talking about how do we collect relevant data for disability, which is still a problem. Balancing between quantitative and qualitative. We've noticed that a lot of qualitative research brings in the lived experience of disability. And from the alliance we, we have with uh, the disability movement, we, we understand that and we know how much of um, you know, different factors and different dimensions play in disability. Yet somehow we cannot draw generalizations. And um, Dr. Nolan mentioned that this research finding, these 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 data that was generated, um, is very important for planning. And that's exactly what planners want. They want hardcore. What is the extent of the problem? Who are we dealing with? And that goes into resource allocation. And from a state perspective, how much resources is needed? And when that aspect is not sorted out, you, 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 you understand what we're talking about, the, the trickle-down effect of you will get what you just, uh, what was left behind. And, and I'm going to come to um, a policy implementation and planning issues uh, in a while. So that's critical around how and why we collect data. So in a way, some of the contextualized um, nature and, and experience of disability at a very local level still have to be understood and, and translated to national levels. 
And then again, the opposite is also a problem, where you have national aggregates, um, prevalence rate of 18%. It, you, it, was, it was between um, 6%, 2% in some areas, 10% somewhere else, and the average comes out to 18%. So where are we finding the biggest problem? We have provinces now and geographical differences. Where, which provinces are we talking about? It was very welcome to see that Pumalanga um, was used as a, as for case studies that was matched to the Gauteng, um, uh, the, 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 the cases that was used in Gauteng. But at the same time, it was acknowledged in the study that Pumalanga had an advantage of some of the very strong disability rights movements in, in, in action there. What about areas where there's absolutely non-existent um, rights-based um, work that's happening as well as poor service delivery. So a little bit of maybe comparative analysis there would have been useful. So in terms of, of more contextualizing, we, we saw the findings in terms of how many are unemployed uh, versus the non-disabled. But what's the level of, of community development and maybe district level development issues that are surrounding those kind of cases. Contextualizing it within a development perspective that speaks to why poverty exists still and, and is not being overcome is also useful. So just in terms of methodology and approach, there's, there's, there's both give and take in that way. And I specifically want to address something very um, very deep in my heart that goes to why even at the United Nations level it's it's was stated there's a paucity of of disability related research. And you know as as some of us that are have been in the research field in disability for a long time, shouldn't we now be interrogating what kind of research is is this um, what kind of research is needed in these fields? And having done research for just not just for the for the academias and for the um, uh, human sciences research council, but this review process made us interrogate what knowledge base exists. And unfortunately, what we've seen is that there's a lot of professional related um, research development areas of work. Um, Still couched, may I say, in the medical model, what's very severely lacking is service development research. And I'm going to couch everything around program development, strategy development, how do we ins how do we translate the 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 uh, policy, progressive policies that we all know South Africa is so famous for into actually programs. How many programs exist? just for disability per se. So service development has been sorely lacking. And we will find that there's very few um, research that, that is at the level of policy and program development which are couched under service issues. So that, that would be for myself as well, uh, not just criticizing one or the other kind of research outputs, but as a collective. I want to just 
maybe go into more substantive and content-related issues around disability. And again, I now draw on specifically three bodies of knowledge. Um, the, development, the development theories around which poverty is couched in, a lot of work around gender studies, and I think that's the area of work that we see, um, you know, identity issues, mainstreaming versus um, targeting, and um, you know the the kind of groundbreaking um, groundbreaking work from Amartya Sen and then from our own local work in terms of capabilities approach, um, and then actually in terms of institutional economics and looking at how within a state, what is it that we're talking about and and how do we understand from an institutional level, not organization, but the rules of the game. So drawing on that, um, what, what we're understanding to be in terms of the issues around definitions of disability and, 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 and at the core of it all is, is people with disabilities trying to have an identity that, and a belonging and being treated as equal citizens in a country. So from that perspective, it's not just about living in a community, but the relationship with peers, with community members, and with the state, and how do they play, play, play that out. So in terms of these, the, the approach, the capability approach, I think what would have been even more useful in this kind of a sense is the interrogation of agency. Who and how do people with disabilities voice their opinions and um, what structures are available to be able to say and, 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 and bargain with different people to be able to meet their needs. And what we're talking essentially about is the kind of life people choose to live against the capability approach. And I think the capability approach has been couched. Um, if people are familiar with the National Development Plan in terms of what it is that people, um, the kind of choices people make in how they want to choose their lives to be lived. So agency, and, and what we're talking about here in this findings are at an individual level. What about the family and community level? What we are seeing in the study findings, which is actually called refreshing is to see that more people with disabilities are living with families. Households have increased over the 20 year period, the number of households. By the number of household uh, members living in the household, is still, the ratio is still more for, for female-headed households, meaning it's women that carry the, 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 the pressures and the burdens of caregiving. So caregiving was stated. And again, I'm going to be a bit pro provocative in the sense that if we, if we shift caregiving to families, how much of support do we give to families in order to, to give this kind of care? What kind of um, assistance, state support assistance? So the National Development Plan is critical of the fact that maybe that model hasn't worked where the burden of care has been shifted to families in the absence of actual family care and, and the kind of interventions and strategies, spe specifically with the kind of um, migration patterns we've seen. Who, why are more urban, wh wh where, 
we used to know of people with disabilities being taken care of in the rural settings because of more family environments there. But now it's shifted. So because it's, it's a similar trend in migration patterns where young females are migrating to, to um, urban areas in search for work because of more women's, liber um, uh, um, women's rights being recognized. And so there's a very, and, and Lauren and team have found that, that gender studies and gender differences are more pronounced in terms of how the, um, disability seems to be um, acting out. What we're also seeing is the social security and um, the grant system alleviating poverty. The 20-year review had, without all the economists were in the room and there's been huge debates around uh, income poverty versus ex expenditure poverty and the measures around poverty, but there's been agreement that poverty levels have decreased. But yet again, it's the kind of disaggregated data we need at local levels to be able to understand and interrogate what is it that uh, people with disabilities at the local level, what levels of vulnerability still exist. And it's not now talking more about the dimensions of vulnerability and marginalization that even people without disabilities are experiencing at local levels. And if you just think about um, the kind of identity that pe people, people who are poor, whether you are disabled or not, people who are poor have uh, experienced at a, at a more local level to be marginalized against those that the have and the have not. So in terms of that, we, we should be able to draw on the different um, similarities across development studies and gender studies. Um, the measurements that, that the, the difficulty with the measurements, I think it's already been clearly set out that without the kind of data that we're looking for, planning, which Dr. Ron has so, so uh, upfront said, that planning and resource allocation is going to be non-existent. What I would like to ask this House is, in terms of policy implementation now, what's our role in terms of strategy development? We've been talking about um, targeting and, and um, you know, institutionalizing versus uh, inclusive education. We've been talking about CBR. We've been talking about um, the differences in, in, in uh, targeting of old, um, older people with and differentiating with the needs of the child in, in a school setting. We don't actually have a strategy or, or two or three strategies to define problems. And I think that there's solely a lot of work to be done in translating policy into strategies and, and agreements. But having said that, what's our theory of change in designing whatever, whatever area of work we want to deal with? We, we, are, we are able to tap into what's existing in terms of the broader frame. But number one, can we actually adopt a unified definition for disability? We've been going back and forth, back and forth over the last 20 years. Um, and actually, maybe, can I say, staying, standing still around this issue because Without that, we see measurements, data collection, planning issues all being affected by the fact that 
we don't have any defined definition of disability. We talk about a narrow and a, and a broader, but at the same time, what is South Africa's position? Um, how do we actually focus on equality of outcomes? We've seen the disabled versus non-disabled categories, but in the broader scheme of things, uh, poverty is, is dynamic. People can move in and out of poverty as well. But we've seen schools being built in, in, in the name of equity and access. And if I ask you, what do you mean by equity and access? Because we didn't have it before, we want it now. But is it a good thing to have now? We need to be interrogating those kind of things. Um, one question that keeps coming up, and, and I, I, I got introduced to be in, in, in the presidency, but I'm not there in my, my past work in mass disability. And what I found, even within those, those circles, who are the champions in our disability work? Is it people with disabilities? Is it the professionals? We've been going in and out, but at, at, at the same time, there needs to be champions for disability-related work at all levels, starting from the community. And I think that we need to have that kind of platforms created now. Um, we spoke about agency, but at the same time, linking agency to the active citizenry issue. We, we have criticisms from, from and by people with disabilities themselves to say that the vibrancy post and pre and post 94 of the disability sector has, has been lost over the years. And, and can we revive that in order to make sure that, that um, representation is still there? We do not have agreed um, understanding of how do we meet differing needs among people with disabilities. Do we target? Do we mainstream? How, if, if it's targeted, is it blanketed targeting? Do we know where the, where the priorities are? Do we know at a local level um, which needs and which, which geographical areas is more in need for service delivery to be more um, uh, effective as well? And at the same time, disability, um, you know, disability is, is a transversal issue at a, at a service provision level. How do we develop systems rather than uh, focal points, systems-wide issues? So I leave you with one question, and it is that how do we want, as a collective now, to effect change in the capability of people with disabilities in South Africa for people with disabilities to live the life that they want? Because are we acting as a, as a united force around this? So I'll leave you with that. Thanks.